Good morning, Springwell. How's everyone? All right, come on, stand up with us. Put your hands together, help us out. We're going to sing our praises to the King this morning. Is that okay? Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Come on. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. And break every chain, oh God You have done great things We dance in your freedom Awake and alive Oh Jesus, our Savior Your name lifted high Oh God You have done great to sing together sing this with me sing I count on one thing well, I count on one thing and the same God that never fails 
will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same god who's never late is working all things out you're working all things come on let me hear you sing it yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Sing that again. I count on one thing. I count on same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God, the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Sing it! Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley.
tell fear You tell fear it has no place It must go I want to hear you sing this loud this morning You tell death You tell death we don't understand our circumstances. Lord, you're working it out and you're working it for the good for us. Thank you so much for that. Thank you that we can trust you. We can trust you no matter what. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. My name is Ren Agard. And my name is Justin Agard, and we've been coming to Springwell for nine months. We actually started coming here for, um, for kids camp last year. And I mean, after kids camp, as much fun as our kids had going to that, and the experience that they had, and it, that, that answered our question right there. It's like, we, we, we need to start going to Springwell, I mean. Look no further, yeah. we're home. We serve at Springwell because basically we knew it was the best way to get connected. Um, we were actually approached long before we even thought about it by the children's director at the time. And 
it kind of weighed heavy on our hearts for a while and we finally just decided to take the leap and jump. I was so used to church every Sunday and then life happened and I kind of went away and then now that I'm finally home, I feel home. I'm surrounded by people that love us and support us unconditionally and it's just an amazing feeling to have that connection again. I didn't go to church. I wasn't part of a church growing up. Um, I went with friends because friends were there, but I was never part of a church family um, like Springwell. It's brought our family a lot closer. Um, before, some things that were hard to talk about, um, we can talk about those a lot easier now. Every Sunday that we come here for service, it, it speaks to us. Like, the service, it, it's like it's directly... It's like he's talking to us. It, it, it is. Every it's Sunday. Every Sunday. It's, it's pretty amazing. Stories like that are personally a, a big reason that I give to Springwell. Also, of course, um, God has asked us to. It's a part of worship for those of us that, that call him our savior. It's a part of us trusting him with that thing that sometimes is the hardest to trust him with. And it shows that last little piece of our heart is his. And uh, so if you're uh, ready to give this morning, maybe uh, you're a first time guest uh, with us. Uh, this is not for you. Um, you don't have to give. That's not why somebody invited you. That's not why we welcomed you on the way in. That wasn't about that. And so um, you don't, don't feel obligated to give. Of course, if you've been at Springwell for a little while, you're a regular, you hear us say this every week, so you don't forget, but there's several different ways to give. Um, you can give at the kiosk in the lobby out there. Uh, you can give online at springwell.org. Um, you can text to give. The number is about to pop up on the screen. Uh, you can text an amount to that number, and it'll have a little sign-in process, and you can text that way. Or... You can write a good old-fashioned check or cash, and uh, we'll do this the old-fashioned way and pass the bucket. How's that sound? If you're on the left side of the road, there's a bucket under your chair. You can pass that to the right, and an usher will get it on the other side. Thank you all for being at Springwell. In 1 Peter 2, it says that we are a holy nation, that we are a righteous people, that we are royalty. So it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, we are royalty with God. So stand up with us this morning. Let's celebrate. Let's have fun with this song, okay? From urban streets to open plains, we are under one unseen because we're all loved by our king come on this is nothing ordinary there is power in the name we carry every nation every tongue welcome to the kingdom all the rich all the poor all the people all yours we are daughters, we are sons, more than mortals, we are royals, we are yours. 
don't wonder where we belong We found our home in the Father's love Come on! This is nothing ordinary There is power in the name we carry Every nation, every tongue Come on! Welcome to the kingdom All the rich, all the poor All the people, all yours We are daughters, we are sons More than mortals, we are royals We are yours We are yours We are yours caught up in the, and then I, and I'd choke. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? Somebody had to run up here and do CPR. Well, I got people right here on the front. Everybody's around me. I'm good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow, that was a, wasn't that a powerful song? Let's try it one more time. Wasn't it like a really powerful song? There we go. And, and this is the why. I'm not kidding you. To understand who I am in Christ, that I am a, a joint heir with Christ, that I've been a, I'm an adopted son, to understand that I'm part of the family, that I am a royal. It has is, it is radically changed my life to know that I'm loved. It's not what I used to be, you know, the blood that Jesus gave on the cross, the sacrifice that he, that he paid, the life that was given has, has been, it's radically changed me. I don't see me anymore. You should not see you anymore. And a lot of you have come into this place this morning broken down. You really have. Uh, you focused on all of the negativity that's in your life and thinking, how could God love somebody like me, right? You're thinking, how could God use somebody like me? I mean, why would I volunteer? Why would I even attempt? Because you, you're, you're focusing on all of the negativity that's in your life. You're, you're focusing on all the sins in your life. And the thing of it is, is you're, whoa, I'm excited. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying then once you understand who you are in Christ, it's a game changer. It's just a game changer. What are we talking about today? Oh, yeah, that's right. We started a brand new series last week called No Ordinary Hero. And for those of you that weren't here, a lot of you weren't. Uh, I know the weather last week was terrible, but uh, here's the thing. I think that we usually think of, when we think of heroes, we usually think of, of people with extraordinary talents and abilities, Right? We think of superheroes like Superman and Batman and Spider-Man. We think of, of people with supernatural human strength, people with these extraordinary kinds of abilities. But I would say that ordinary people, just like you and me, can be a part of God's plan and can be used by God to do some incredible things. Ordinary people, ordinary people can be heroes. For example, just like the lady every week who serves meals on wheels. 
You know what I'm talking about? Every week, serves meals on wheels. Just an ordinary lady. Probably doesn't stand out in the crowd, you know? Nobody probably picks her to be the next superstar or a, or a super saint or to be a hero. And yet, yet the people that she serves every single week see her as a hero. It's crazy. I saw a video just this week, uh, a commercial, something on TV, and it was, it was about Meals on Wheels, and it was this, this man who just fell in love with this other young kid just because he was engaged in a, in a little bit of conversation that he served him meals every week. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just ringing the doorbell and handing him a meal. It was that he engaged in conversation. And, and that old man, 90-some-odd years old, looked at that young man and thought, man, you're my hero. Or maybe like in November of 2017 when a gunman opened fire in First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, killing 26 people. And an ordinary guy, just an ordinary guy by the name of Stephen Williford was in his house nearby and he heard the disturbance. He grabbed his gun and he ran outside barefoot and he engaged with fire with that gunman. As the gunman jumped into his car, Wilford ran up to another guy who just happened to be driving by the church at the most appropriate time. His name was, was Johnny Langendorf. And so he ran over to Johnny and tells him the situation and says, we got we to gotta catch that guy. And so here are two ordinary guys, you know, just two ordinary men jump in this car, follow the gunman, chase him down, hold him at gunpoint until the police arrive. Just ordinary people. Just ordinary people who are willing to do extraordinary things. When Jesus was choosing 12 people, when Jesus was choosing 12 men that would change the world with the gospel, and if you're brand new to church and don't understand what the gospel is, it is the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his son. It is the good news that, that his son, Jesus, so loved the world that he was willing to go to the cross and on the cross to pay the penalty. That's why I get so fired up about some of the music that we do here. And on that cross, he was willing to pay for all sin for all time, period. All your sin, all my sin, all sin that will ever be known in this world, this chaotic, crazy, sinful world that we live in. Jesus died on that cross, and the good news is on the third day he was raised from the dead. That's the gospel. And when Jesus chose 12 men that would radically bring change to a world, the reason that we are assembled here today is because of these 12 men. And when he chose them, he just chose 12 ordinary men. It's crazy. Not one of them, not one of them was renowned for scholarship or great sophistication. Not one of them. Not one of them was a theologian. Not one of them had any educational background any seminary degree, not one of them did. In fact, they came from the wrong end of the world. They came from an agricultural reason, uh, region. If you were going to like pick somebody in the religious world that would change the world, don't you think you'd like go to the religious hub of the world? Jerusalem, Judea, don't you think you would kind of like go there? It kind of makes sense, but Jesus doesn't do that. He chooses these 12 ordinary guys. In fact, one of them was a tax collector. All together now. Ooh. I mean, you, y'all feel, yeah, we all feel that, right? He was considered to be virtually in collusion with Rome against his own people. At least four, possibly seven, were fishermen. And we don't even know what the others did. I mean, we don't have a clue. There's nowhere in Scripture that tells us what every single one of these guys did. But in spite of all of that, they're considered to be heroes of the faith. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. No name, nobody's from nowhere. From the wrong side of the tracks, with no education, none of them are speakers, and yet they were given the responsibility to carry the gospel, the good news that God so loved the world. Wow. Last week, uh, we looked at Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And today we're going to look at James. Now, just to be clear, this is not James, the brother of Jesus. Okay, technically, he's the stepbrother of Jesus. Why are y'all looking at me like that? He was, he was the stepbrother. They had the same mama, but 
And see, some of y'all, you're like new to church, you go, what? That don't even sound right. Like Jesus was, what? That don't sound right. Yeah, God was the father of Jesus. Some of you need to stay after the service, and we'll try to work through. We'll try to work, we'll try to work through this. This is this is uh, this is not James, the brother of Jesus. It, it's this is James, the apostle. I love this. Go home doing this. Just Google it this afternoon, James. You'll find that some people call him James the Great, and I literally all by myself, which I know is not a stretch. But all by myself with my laptop, I laughed out loud. I thought James the Great. <laughs> Like, nobody knows anything about the guy. You know why they named him James the Great, at least according to one commentator? Just so they could, like, distinguish him from the other James. It's in the Bible. Which is pretty cool. He'd rather be James the Great than James the Loser. I mean, at least that's, I guess, a little bit of a help. He appears only one time as a standalone character. Only one time. And we'll get that in a little bit. It's in the book of Acts. In all the gospel accounts, he's always paired with his younger brother and better known brother, John. Now, when you begin to study this and kind of look at it and break it down just from a human standpoint, it just looks kind of weird that James isn't mentioned much because from a human perspective, he seemed, really seemed like the logical one to maybe be the guy in charge, you know, like the number one apostle, you know, like over everybody else. It seems that way. Because between the two sets of brothers, we talked about a set of brothers last week, remember? Peter and Andrew, and then there's James and John. The family of James and John seems to have had a little bit more prominence than the family of, of Peter and Andrew. Reason being is because James and John, again, another one of those weird things. Oftentimes when they're referred to in Scripture, they're not even referred just by their names. It's James and John, the sons of Zebedee. It's like they're not important enough. They don't, they're not enough on their own. Really, their claim to fame is their father. For example, Matthew 26, verse 36, we'll start there. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter. Now, Peter, gets a, he gets an honorable mention, right? He's the man. Old Pete's the man. Old St. Pete, right? Go to Rome. I mean, Peter is, you know, there's statues. There's all this recognition of St. Pete. The other guy's not so much. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. So he calls Peter by name, but not James and John. He calls them the sons of Zebedee. So the point is, it looks like that their dad, I don't know how, I don't think it was a financial thing. I mean, they weren't raised, as far as I know, as far as anything I could study, as, as far as being wealthy people, but, but there was something about this man's name. And so the only real claim to fame was they had was, was the family from which they came. I told you last week, it would be kind of like, you know, when you refer to, to Emily and Katie, well, that's Scott and Karen's daughters. And so they don't have any importance on their own. They don't, they don't stand on their own. And if you think that, you don't know my daughters. Have mercy, sweet Jesus. They can stand on their own. Hello, those of you that have seen Katie on Facebook, those of you who hadn't, just don't. I'm not responsible. She is a beautiful, beautiful child, unique in her own regard. So right here, James is not mentioned so much when he's by himself. It's just he's always one of the sons of Zebedee, so are you keeping up? I mean, really, he's not mentioned very often in the Bible. I mean, no kidding. I thought this was a great series. I was so excited. I was jacked up. I, I cast a vision for the series, and, and, and I did that, and I'd already looked at a couple of, well, at least one of the top. I thought, well, you know, Peter, he would be easy. Let's don't pick Peter. Let's pick Andrew. And then I started looking, and I go, like, they're not mentioned a whole lot. going to be really, really short sermons. I mean, there's just not a lot of Scripture that really talks about these guys. There's nothing about this guy that says he had, he had some kind of care, charismatic personality. There's, there's nothing there other than literally he's the son of Zebedee. But there must have been something special. There must have been something special. Because not only was this guy, not only was this guy one of the 12 apostles, but he was also in Jesus' inner circle. So if you're like brand new to church, what does that mean? If you know anything, you know there's like 12 disciples, right? 12 disciples, 12 apostles. We got those guys. 
But then there, there's three in particular that Jesus was really, really close to. And so, you know, we tell people all the time when you're in a small group, we hope that you bond and build relationships with people. But the chances are you building deep relationships with everybody is probably not going to happen. But our goal, our dream is that you build at least a relationship with somebody. That's what Jesus did. Peter, James, and John were the only ones Jesus permitted to go with him when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Mark chapter 5, when Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. The synagogue leader, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Just believe. And then notice this. There's something special about this guy. Notice what it says. It says, he didn't let anybody else go. He didn't let anybody else go except Peter, James, and John. It was just his, just his three boys. And some probably, and you read commentaries, and, and so people draw conclusions. I know what it was. He must have been a man of great faith. So only these three, of all of the twelve, these three believed that Jesus could do anything. And raise people from the dead wouldn't have been a big deal. Maybe that's true. It doesn't tell us. So there was something about him that made him special. Something that made him one of Jesus' closest friends. So let's see if we can read on and maybe kind of put some pieces together and see if we can figure this thing out. Mark chapter 3, verse 17 says it like this. James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John, to them who gave he the power, gave he the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Man. Now this isn't like his buddies. This isn't like... Peter and some of the boys saying, hey, man, we're going to call y'all Boanerges. We're going to call y'all sons of thunder. This is Jesus. Now, for those of you that know me know that there are people that I have two nicknames. Really depends on where in my past you've been to which nickname you would call me by. I'm just saying. The first one really is easy. For years, people called me Mac. That's, you know, Mac Callister. Get it? And then there was another group of friends that would call me Butch. I am not going into that one at all. I'm just saying. But these were a name that were given to me by, you know, by my buddies, by my pals. This name was not given to them by any of the other 12. This was Jesus. So Jesus looked at them and he said, sons of thunder, you guys are, are thunderous, you're passionate, you're, you're fiery. There's an energy about you, and I appreciate that. So he gives them this nickname. The weird thing is this. We have no earthly idea how many times Jesus may have called them this nickname. In fact, of all the Bible, this is only mentioned one time here in the book of Mark. But what we do know is that when Jesus looked at them, he said, man, there's something about you guys. You're fiery. You're passionate. You've got heart. We get a glimpse of maybe why James and John were known as the sons of thunder. I love this passage in Luke 9. Just so you know, Jesus is headed... From Galilee down to Jerusalem for the final Passover. Now, if I just lost some of you, here's what you got to know. This is the end of, of Jesus' ministry. It's, it's time. I mean, death is really, really near. And so he's been in, in Galilee, and so now he's got to go down to, to Jerusalem where ultimately he knows it's going to end his life. And so he decides to go through Samaria. In fact, Luke writes in verse 51, he says, As time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely, he resolutely, he pondered this thing on purpose. He decided, I got to go to Jerusalem. It's time. So if you're fairly new to church, you might be thinking, so what's the big deal about Jesus going through Samaria? I mean, it's just, a, you know, he just went through, right? No big deal. If you've been in church for a while, or maybe you've not necessarily been in church, but you know a little bit about geography, I mean, maybe you got that map in your head and you think, well, I know why. Jesus was really smart. He's the son of God. It was the shortest distance. It was. Look at a map. I mean, like, it's a straight line. You have to go through Samaria. And so some of you would think, it's, it's still, it's not rocket science. Why did he choose? It's the shortest distance between two points. But what you may not know, it's really significant and extremely important no other Jew, no other Jew would have made that same decision. 
Most Jews, if not all Jews, traveling between those two places deliberately would take a route that required them to travel way out of their way in the desert. And it physically demanded that they cross the Jordan twice. Man, this is not an easy track. Everybody else would have said, we are going to do everything we can to avoid Samaria. Some of you are probably wondering, well, why? I mean, it's the shortest distance between two points. Jesus is really smart. He's the Son of God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And so, he chose that. Why would that be such a big deal? Well, the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't, they didn't like each other very much. Who are we kidding? They hated each other. They literally despised one another. The Jews actually saw the Samaritans as this mixed race offspring of Israelites from the, from the northern kingdom. And so they made these, these people, you can't believe this, they intermarried with people of a different religion. Can you believe it? So there was this mixed marriages that were going on. And then here's what they did. As they mixed their marriages, they would say, well, here's, here's what we believe, that there's one God and he is Yahweh, but... You know, there's some other things over here, you know, maybe from this religion. And so they kind of came up with their own convenient belief system that just worked for them. And so these Jews would look at that and they would go, man, that's heretical. There's no way, man, that, I can't believe these guys. They're just a bunch of half-breeds. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, it's not a lot of different than today. You know, it's not a lot of different than today. Then, then for those of us, people that so call, are so-called Christians that would say, oh, I believe in Jesus, absolutely. Like, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he went to the cross, and on the cross he died to pay the penalty for all of our sins. All who believe, say amen. Come, come on, that, that was a little weak right there. Kind of caught you off guard, didn't it? All those that believe, say amen. amen. And on the third day he was raised from the dead. And all who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But, that's good. But like, you know, sex before marriage, that's kind of old, man. That's kind of outdated stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, that's cool, but like, we believe that if Jesus were alive today, he would say that we're more of an evolved society and we're so much smarter than they were back then and therefore we can handle the responsibilities of... Y'all with me? I love the people that God allows my path to cross. I had a, a sweet opportunity this week to meet a guy who says, man, he's, he's not a follower of Jesus. He's, he believes that there's a God. He's struggling to believe in the Jesus thing. And I thought, oh, man. I love it to have conversations with folks like that. And I thought, as I processed, as I talked with him, he said, what, what is it really that, well, I mean, I want to believe, I do want to believe. What is it that caused you to believe? You know what I told him? I said, pain. He said, what? I said, yeah. I look back over my life now, and it has been the most difficult circumstances of my life that have caused me to question the very existence of God that have also brought me to a point of faith and believe in Jesus. See, here's the thing, folks. I think that there are far too many folks who don't really have a solid foundation. And what are we telling the lost world that wants to believe? They want to know. They're struggling to know. So the Jews regarded the Samaritans as this crossbreed race, and their religion was just a crossbreed religion. And so that's why they took so much pain to avoid travel, all travel, through Samaria. The entire region was deemed, got this right out of a commentary. You're gonna be, aren't you proud? The entire region was deemed as deemed by the religious as unclean. You with me? Listen, they had great theological ground to stand on. They would say, look at those, look at those, look at those half-breeds over there. I mean, they've intermarried, and now they've got all these crazy beliefs. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, we don't even want to associate with people like that. They were deemed by the religious cloud. Help, say it for me. Thank you, I appreciate it. As being unclean, all except Jesus. And he said, it's not just the shortest distance between two points. 
So let's read on. He sent messengers on ahead. And just so you know, this is not like in my notes, but here's what Jesus would do. It would be customary for Jesus to be able to take um, a few of the boys that maybe thought a little bit different than some of the others. Those that were into numbers, they could maybe crunch the numbers and do certain things. Those that could negotiate, and he said, guys, what what I need for you to do is go on ahead, and I need you to secure lodging for all of us. And food, I'm sure food was a part of that. Can I have an amen? Absolutely. I know that Jesus, at the end of the day, was hoping that there would be like a pizza inn or a buffet somewhere, you know, because he had to feed all the boys. It would be more economical. Thank you, thank you. Some of y'all, you don't even get that. It scares me. So he sent this group on ahead, different people with different talents, different gifts, that all make up the body of Christ. But the people there did not welcome him. Well, what? Because he was heading for Jerusalem. Well, that's not, that's not very nice. So you got this one Jew. You got this one Jew. And, and these other 12, I mean, they're probably going, this is crazy. I don't want to go through Samaria. But Je- that's unclean. But Jesus said, no, it's not. These people, I love these people too. And so when he gets there, I mean, they probably just, maybe they just didn't know, Right? How in the world you got this one Jew that's there saying, I love you. I want to embrace you, Samaria. And they just want to kick him out. And this is not the same situation like it was when he was born. Remember? Remember he's born and, and, and just before he's born, before Mary gives birth. I mean, Mary and Joseph and, and Bethlehem and they go to the innkeeper, right? The innkeeper said, it's not my fault. God should have had you here a day earlier. Maybe he's busy. I'm just, the, the end's full. This wasn't the same situation. It wasn't because the end was full. They were deliberately being rude. And if Jesus intended to go through their city, to pass through their city on the way to Jerusalem, they were going to make it as hard for him as possible. So the disciples were looking for accommodations, and they're treated really bad. And so here's what the next verse says. You ready? <laughs> I like this. This is like my birth. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, (laughs) do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? (laughs) Booyah, that's my kind of people right there. Come on. Where's the rest of y'all? Church on Sunday morning, y'all just all about love. No, I'm talking about a man of, with fire and passion. These guys said, you know what? We're willing to stand up for the cause. I love this because friends are rare. And friends that will, that will be loyal and stand with you through thick and thin are rare. And so here are two guys, and Jesus looks and says, sons of thunder, this is what I'm talking about, stand up for me and to be willing to fight. Woo! I mean, they're ready to kick some rear end, and it ain't no spiritual rear end stuff either. You know what I'm talking about? They want to hurt people in the name of Jesus. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. What? It's just out of place. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. Jesus is teaching James, it's not that his fire is bad. Don't, don't, don't misread this. It's not that his fire is bad. It's not that his passion is bad. It's that it has to be tempered. That's what Jesus is teaching. Jesus didn't come to destroy. He came to save. So Jesus taught James that loving kindness and mercy are virtues to be cultivated as much as and sometimes more than fiery zeal. And notice what happened. Verse 56, then he and his disciples, they just went to another village. Man, I've, I've, I've lived in this for a while. And every day, he said, man, there's got to be a missing verse. You know, like maybe something in the transcript, something, God didn't copy it down right. Something's wrong. And then it occurred to me, as much as God is crazy about you, he will not force himself on you. And so what seems weird to us is that Jesus looked at a, at, a, at a group of people that said, you know what, you're hated by my people, but you're not hated by my Father. You're despised. All, all the people, 
all my people would deliberately go miles and miles out of the way to avoid people like you. But I am here because I love you and want a relationship with you. But I will not force myself on you. And as much as he wants a relationship with you, he just won't force you to do something you don't want to do. So I told you early in the message that James is mentioned only one time by himself. He's always sharing the stage with his little brother, John. And even then, many times, they don't refer, they don't mention by their names, sons of Zebedee. The one time he's mentioned alone is in Acts chapter 12. Verse 1, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute him. He had James, the brother of John, put to death. Wow. Son of Thunder was a man that was full of passion and fire, and zeal. James was the kind of guy that he would look at you and say, man, I got you back. And if he said, I got you back, he had you back. Here was a guy that was so fiery and so compassionate, not about religion, not about religion, but about a relationship with Jesus. It so radically rocked his world that he said, I will willingly die for my Savior. Eusebius, the early church historian, passes on an account of James' death that I think is phenomenal. And it came from Clement of Alexandria. According to Clement, when the apostle James was let out to die, there was this man who had brought a false accusation against James. In fact, the writer seems to imply that it was probably because of this false accusation that he was condemned and sentenced to die. So he hears that, uh, that old James is going to be let out to die. And so he says, man, I want to I be there. I want to see it. Now, can you imagine any of you, have any of you ever maybe like been really angry at somebody and maybe you said something against them that was maybe wrong, and, but afterwards you regretted it? You said, man, I can't, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. Here's a guy that is still filled with so much rage and hatred for this guy that he says, I don't want to just, listen, I want to be right there. I want to see him when he draws his last breath. So there's this guy, this false accuser, who's walking right beside James. But what he sees, it blows him away. What he thinks he'll see is a weak, scared little man. But that's not what he saw. <laughs> he saw James full of joy and life. And he, he couldn't figure that out. I mean, I'm, I'm right here beside you. I mean, even, even if you're willing to die for the cause, even if you have a joyful heart and you're willing to die for Jesus, you have to be angry at me. I'm the one who lied. The reason that you're here is because of me. And it said literally that he was walking like a conqueror <laughs> that had just won a great battle. And this false witness was so amazed that he became convinced that this Jesus stuff must be real. There's no other explanation but that Jesus has to be real. Jesus is alive. James said he saw him alive. The disciples and 500 other witnesses said they saw him alive. It must be true. And that man on that spot right there gave his life to Jesus and became a follower of Christ. Ha, that's sweet. And the story is that both men died by the sword on the very same day. Woo! It's amazing, isn't it? It's powerful. So, what's so special about old James? He's a no-name nobody. And if you think, you know, that, 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 well, at least his name became before his brother. You know, at least it was James... And John, the sons of Zebedee. No. His name is first because he was the oldest. That's the only reason. So what could have possibly made him so special? It's not where he was from. 
It's not because his educational background. It's not that his resume looked so good. He was a nobody who had nothing. Very little is mentioned about him. And it's old James the Great. They just wanted to distinguish him between the other James that are mentioned in the Bible. What is it that made him so special? And I think it's obvious. I think it was that zeal and that fire that was in his belly. It's that he fell head over heels in love with Jesus. And that man, James, said, Jesus, I got your back. I got your back to the bitter end. And he was willing to give his life for the cause. And I think Jesus knew. He said, you know, there's going to come a difficult time. They're going to put me on a cross. And my followers are going to scatter like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm going to need somebody with some passion and some fire. I'm going to need somebody that would be willing to stand and even face death so that they can share the power of my love story with the world. Wow. So how about you? Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus or are you just a Christian? I mean, are you comfortable with maybe like attending church every now and again? Maybe not every week. Maybe you're even one of those people who say, I'll serve occasionally. Listen, is there a fire in your bone? At the end of the day, what is it that gets you through every day? Is it a relationship with Jesus or do you, do you just have a dose of religion? What is it? The world is looking for people. There are some other people just like that accuser of James that are looking for somebody with fire and passion and love and mercy that are willing to take a stand in the name of Jesus and love the unlovely. To be willing to go through a place like Samaria. How about you? Are you that Are you that follower of Jesus? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know that God's absolutely crazy about you. He was so crazy about you that He sent His Son Jesus, and Jesus is so crazy about you. Wanting a relationship with somebody like you, who maybe you think that you're a nobody, just too ordinary to even matter. And the message of Jesus this morning is, I love you. And I want a relationship with you. He won't force Himself on you. He's not going to be too pushy, but he'll love you. He'll draw you to himself if you'll let him. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and you think, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life away. I'm ready to give my life to this Jesus. And if these guys, if these guys were willing to die, there must be something to it. Something that's real, something that's tangible, something that I can sink my teeth into. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you just kind of utter this prayer right there quietly in your seat or you pray it out loud. You're in a safe place. Maybe you just say, Jesus, oh my gosh, Jesus, thank you for your love. Your love for me. The kind of love that was willing to die. For me to pay a debt that I owed I'm a sinner I know it nobody has to beat me over the head with the Bible or tell me how sorry I am I'm a sinner and Jesus I've heard the story of your love this morning and I know you're alive I thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin thank you for that thank you for a resurrection man I, I feel the life I feel you right here right now so I'm confessing my sin asking for forgiveness and to the best of my ability right now I'm surrendering my life to you I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life Lord you're amazing Thank you for the stories that are in the Bible, God. Thank you for the people that you chose. I mean, it doesn't make sense from a human standpoint, Lord. You had a thought that you would look for 
a great debater, someone schooled deep in education, someone that probably knew the Old Testament better than anyone else, that understood the prophecies there. God, you chose ordinary people, Lord, like us. But Lord, there were ways if they were extraordinary, and James, God, is one of those that be willing to die for his great love for you. Lord, thank you for a man with passion and compassion and fire in his bones. Lord, I do pray that we can learn from him and that we would be as devoted and loyal to you as he. We love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray.